something's wrong in the neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> am I on now? Is that better? Yeah, I don't think Mr. Rogers ever had an iPad or internet problems. We're having some internet issues here, so I may or may not be able to see what you're seeing behind me. We'll find out. Mr. Rogers had a quote. said, when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers, the compassionate. You will always find people who are helping or who are compassionate. Isn't that neat for a little boy to look for that in the midst of a tragedy, that compassion would actually calm his fears? Well, today's message is... Uh, I want to share with you today what's on the next screen. Hey, Eric or Adam, one of you flipped the switch while you're trying to help out with the sound. No, you went too far. Back up. So Mr. R talks about compassion today. Compassion is defined as a mixed passion made of both love and sorrow. The original language in the Bible for the word compassion is very graphic. That Greek word actually means to have bowels that yearn. Jesus, it says, had such a longing to love people that his insides ached to help people. That, that's an inside-out thing. Compassion is beyond sympathy, pity, empathy. It's the ultimate of all three of those because compassion requires what's happening on the inside to come out and to do something about our situation. Well, I want to tell you a story that Jesus told. It's in our Bibles. What I like to call this in the neighborhood, this is story time. There was a lawyer who was a biblical lawyer. They also called them scribes in the Bible who stood up to test Jesus. And he asked Jesus, he said, Jesus, basically, what is the meaning of life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, I love how he answers people because he said, well, you're a lawyer. What does it say in the law and how do you read it? He said, well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And, and the others likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, nice job. That is the correct response. You go and do likewise. But like a good lawyer, he was looking for a loophole. The Bible says, wishing to justify himself... He said, yeah, and who's my neighbor? Now, you've got to remember that he's a religious insider who lives among all his own people. They all looked alike, they all talked alike, and they all had the same God, they all had the same religion. And he's wondering, how far out does my neighborhood go? 
And I don't think he liked Jesus' answer, but Jesus didn't just answer him right off. He said, let me respond to that by telling you a story. There was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, that would tend to set the stage that this man is from Jerusalem. That's, that's a key part of the scripture. And as he went, he fell among robbers who stripped him of everything of value and beat him down until the Bible said this famous term that we use, he was half dead. That's where we get that term, is out of the Bible. He was half dead. And they left him there and they abandoned him on the side of the road. And just by chance, a priest, a pastor, happened upon him. And once he saw in the road what had happened, the Bible says he went to the other side of the road and passed by. Likewise, favorite people for thousands of years. Now, this is a man that genetically has been one of God's favorite people for thousands of years. The Levites were the tribe way back that hung with Moses when all the children of Israel were sacrificing to these false gods, these false calves. The Levites stuck with Moses and went out and helped God clean up the mess. And so God says, from this day forward, you shall be my tribe. I will be your inheritance. You won't own land, you'll own me. Those are the Levites. Boy, talk about an insider. And this Levite, this very deep, historically genetic believer in God, happened upon this man. And the Bible says he literally saw what had happened and crossed over to the other side. But then Jesus says, along comes an outsider, a Samaritan. So God has moved clear out of this lawyer's neighborhood to pull in a man who lived outside of their neighborhood. A Samaritan, a non-Israelite, a non-God believer like us. And it says that as he came upon the situation, he looked upon the man and he felt something from the inside out called compassion and that passion that caused him to yearn caused him to bend down and it said he bound the wounds of this stranger and he poured oil and wine on him and he he tended to him and then the bible says he set him on his own form of transportation and let him ride his donkey or his horse as he walked alongside this hurting man and took him on into town and took him straight to the nicest hotel in town. And he had business, so he was very wise. He, he didn't have to stay with the man. He knew how to get him help, and he went to the innkeeper, and he said, listen, here's what's happened. You know I come here often, and I've got good credit. So I, here's, here's $200. No, I better make it four, because these rooms are 190 right? Yeah, okay, so... Here's, here's, here's at least $400, all the cash I have on me right now. You tend to him until he can get up and be on his way. And next time I come back, I will pay any extra that it costs you to take care of my friend here. So Jesus looks up from telling this story, and he looks at the lawyer, and he says, so of these three... 
Who was the man's neighbor? I suppose the man that showed him compassion. And Jesus says, yes, go and do as he did. Wow. Wow. How does this story relate to us today? Well, after church, we're going to start a Samaritan highway ministry. And we're going to drive up and down I-90 every day of the week and look for people that fall out of their cars along the side of the road. And we're going to tend them. Well, you laugh because there's not that many people along the highway and byway of our roads that are really destitute and hurt. And we have some 911 phenoms in this building right now, first responders. We've got the neatest team of first responders in this building. If you ever want to get hurt, do it during church. Our people will just... I mean, we got the people. And, and we've got, now in our society, we have 911. And we don't have a cell phone. And man, you know, our, our emergency tech people will do a lot better job with this guy on the road than I will. I, I'll take off my coat, I'll keep him warm. But really, there's not going to be a tremendous call for that during the course of our long lives. I, I pray we don't pass those opportunities up. I pray we don't drive on the other side of the road and in the snowstorm when the widow's broken down in her car. I hope, guys, we pull over and make sure cell phone's charged up and she can get some help and we stay till the truck gets there. But those are rare occurrences. When we look at chapter 10, verse 33 of this story, if you'd go there, guys, to the first slide. This verse is broken down, but a Samaritan, an outsider. Somebody you wouldn't expect to show love and compassion. The two you thought would show it didn't show it. But this outsider, this guy, comes along, and as he journeys, and it's just a normal part of his life what he's doing. And sometimes we can get into the routine, and we pass by people that are literally broken along the sides of our life. Now, it's not as obvious but he came upon the hurting man and he saw him. He didn't turn away from his condition. He didn't turn away and ignore what was going on. He had an observation that he had to respond to and he was moved then with compassion. And I love that word because when you're moved with compassion, that means you move. And the Bible says he didn't go to the other side of the road he went directly to the man in need. Okay. Go to the next slide, guys. God's been dealing with my heart about how we can be good Samaritans as God's people. Most of us in here aren't um, metaphorical Samaritans. Very few, if any of you here, are outsiders. I pray as the days go on, we get more and more Samaritans in our church. Amen? Amen. And we pull from outside our neighborhood of Legacy Church that, that we can bridge as big as God's mind to the lost and hurting. But what I see God saying to us today as a people of God is many times we miss opportunities 
by just doing our general routine. And I, I want to talk about a general routine for most of us Levites and priests. Now, that's not a dirty word, by the way. Until they went to the other side of the road. Then it didn't look too good. But most of us are spiritual Levites. And the Bible says when you come to Christ, we all become priests. Yeah? We are part of the holy priesthood, a royal nation unto God. Most of us fall in the priest-Levite category this morning spiritually. Some of you are 5th, 6th, 23rd generation Christian or something like that, right? God, your heritage goes way back. But when we come to church Sunday after Sunday, that's just our journey, isn't it? That's our normal routine. How often do we come into the foyer and forget to look for the stranger who might be broken that day? Now, this message is not to condemn anybody or anything. Jesus told this message for a reason. He's saying that insiders have a tendency to go on their journey and metaphorically cross to the other side of the road once they see something that discomforts them. I would like to challenge us as a church to spiritualize this message to say, okay, God, when I'm on my normal journey of weekly routine of church, do I walk on the other side of the road? Now, when you have two new people in a church of 200 people, I really don't think us swarming one or two families with 200 of us really is the most inviting thing to do. So please don't say that, you know, don't just all attack somebody in the foyer because you feel bad because Pastor Ralph challenged you, you know. I want us to get a bigger picture. He came to the hurting man, and when he saw him, he lifted up his eyes and looked upon him. Jesus says previously in this chapter of Luke, Behold, the fields are white with harvest. Lift up your eyes. And we sometimes fail to really go through life and say, who knows Jesus, who doesn't? You know, we're not supposed to judge, but I think it'd be really smart if we would just question in our heart, is this a hurting human being? Is this a person that's put on a facade on the outside? But if I really lifted up my eyes and looked at them, I would see they're abandoned, they're hurting, they're broken, they're putting on a big front at work, they're putting on a big front at the social activities, but they go home and they weep themselves to sleep at night. Or their marriage is so awful they can't say anything positive about their partner. And, and we need to begin to lift up our eyes and begin to tune in and say, God, is there somebody out there that's been abandoned on the side of life's road? And, and they're not letting anybody else know. This guy didn't cry out. He just laying there probably half dead. And people are half alive in America today. They, they've got the physical, natural, material half great. But there's a spiritual half that I wonder about. Not in a mean, uh, judgmental way, but in a, in a way of compassion saying, don't you just wish everybody knew the guy you know called Jesus? Don't you just wish for that? You just yearn for it. You go to a funeral, they don't believe in God, and my heart just cries out. It's so hard for them. And I realize that 
In my natural man, I do not like funerals. I do not like people dying. But there's something about Jesus that comes into my life and never leaves me feeling abandoned, broken, stripped, as long as I can cry out to him. Jesus said, if you'll believe in me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So lift up your eyes, church. Here's what I feel like the Lord's saying about that. He is moved with compassion. He wants us to begin to move with compassion. And I realized something, that Jesus is moving his church towards the hurting in this day. Let me give you some statistics to look at. Let me, on your journey today, you're normal, you're going to just mind your own business today, and here I'm getting all up in your grill, aren't I? Uh, by the way, I'm a abysmal good Samaritan. I, I don't do soup kitchens very well. I don't, and I've kind of beat myself up over the years, but I realize that there are people called to that, and that's their gift, and you should go, woohoo, and our church should support them financially, and out of our compassion, we do what we can do. But the reality is, in Meridian, of 100,000 people, there's some dying folks along the side of the road, and they'll never go to a soup kitchen. Probably more of them than there are people on welfare right now in, in, in Treasure Valley. See, God wants to usher everybody into eternity. He has an eternal heart. He's trying to usher... He, he desires none should perish. And, and there's a process that God's doing. He's trying to move the church, to move people into eternity. And he's moving on churches. Now, now let me open our eyes a little bit here, and I, and I think I'm going to come close to the reality and the truth of what's going on today. Statistics say that never before in our nation have so few people in the next generation age bracket so few people have become unchurched. From like 19 to 38, 40, 45, there's an age bracket there where the lowest church attending, the lowest religious observing people group in America are young men between the ages of like 18 to 38, 40. Some of you know these statistics better than I do. And there's never before in the history of our nation been that many people not going to church in an age group. Women are second. We are living in a day where the United States has the least church population percentage-wise in the history of our nation. Now, maybe early on in the revolution and before the Wesleyan and big revivals, maybe. But it's, you could argue that we're no longer a churched nation. Now, that changes how we should fish. If churches don't move and stay the way we did it in 1950, we will fish for everybody born in 1950. And we will attract everybody who is this older generation. Now the reality is, Jesus doesn't want any to be lost, and if you're 98 years old and don't know Jesus, somebody have compassion on that older person. And let's reach into their heart. But the reality is, percentage-wise and numerically, there are many more people in the next generation who don't know Jesus. And we can't walk to the other side of the road to avoid this next unsaved generation that's coming at us. We've got to look at them. And we've got to say, God, 
If I was going to start a church in America in the 1950s, it would look one way. In the 1960s, we should ask God, God, how do we fish for people in the 60s? And, oh, thank you, Jesus, for the Jesus movement that saved all the hippies. <laughs> you know, they say if you lived through the 60s, if you say you remember the 60s, you weren't there. You know, it was not a, a real time of pride in our nation, I know. But God reached into that generation during that time and did some things that were totally off the chart. I was in college during some of those days, and it was amazing the things we were seeing in churches and reaching my age group that we'd never seen before in church. They never had drums. They never had guitars. All of a sudden, music starting to shift and change. And people were reaching into my generation, older people. We had three old grandpas at this church build us a gymnasium, and I don't think any three of them had ever dribbled a basketball in their life. And they gave us a gym. And I remember what that said to me as a young person. This church is moving for me. This church is going to my side of the road and building something on my side of the road. And they're having to leave their side of the road, leave their donkey, their horse, and they're putting me on their horse. And they're walking alongside, and they no longer are serving themselves, but they're serving me at expense to themselves. The church moved in the 70s. Our church came under a lot of criticism because hymnals all of a sudden went to the back of the church or the back of the pew. But I got to tell you, when the choruses broke out, it reached into my young little heart. And I, I still love hymns to this day because they were still singing hymns. But choruses, I was able to brag to kids my age, our church is moving to our side of the road. Our church is relevant to me. It means something to me. It's doing stuff, as, and, and they don't even like drums. They don't even like this stuff, but they're doing it anyway. They're leaving their horse. They're leaving their donkey and putting me on it. And Jesus is saying when we lift up our eyes and we see this massive humanity called millennials or next generation or whatever, and we want to walk to the other side of the road, please let compassion grab you and get off your horse, no matter how high it is, and give it to somebody else. You are a generation, older generation, that's called to save the next generation. You're being charged with the greatest calling of all to go fishing for young people. Go fishing for men. How are we as a church going to move to the hurting stranger on the road. It's kind of heavy, isn't it? And as we just journey on a Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday operation, I, I don't care how old I am, God's asking me, Ralph, when you go fishing, how often have you tried to put on a hook what looks really good to you? You know, I just think trout ought to hit on filet mignon. I just think, <laughs> yeah, what do they got now? They got even spray that like repulses all human beings that you put on the hook now. I mean, it's like gag you with them. And it is a maggot. It's like, ah, ah. But guess what? They'll bite it, even though you won't. And Jesus says, come with me. Move from where you're at, from your nets, from the way you've done things, from the way you've been journeying, church. And will you come with me and we'll go fishing for a lost generation? It'll be your generation that sets up the fishing huts, the fishing lodges, the fishing shoreline, the fishing boats. It's your generation that's going to gear this thing up. 
It's up to us, baby boomers. It's up to us, World War II, the greatest generation ever born. It's up to us. We're the greatest generation if we reach the next. Priest and Levite isn't a bad word if we reach into the next. Being old isn't bad. Being the greatest generation of baby boomers isn't bad if we reach into the next generation and pull them to Jesus. Put them on your, and take them on a journey with you and change your journey for their sake. We are in this story. We get to choose if we're the priest, the Levite, and I'd like to believe he was a saved Christian Samaritan. But even if he wasn't, his name came out above the rest, didn't it? Because he was moved with compassion. When Mr. Rogers was a little boy, go to the quote, guys, again. When I was a boy and I would see scary things along the side of the road. And I would see travesty and devastation and humanity. And the greatest devastation of humanity is to not to be able to be with Jesus for eternity. That's the greatest tragedy for any human being. And when I would see this news, my mother would say to me, look for the helpers, look for the compassionate. You will always find, and I believe Jesus is saying today, legacy, I feel in so many ways I'm preaching to the choir. God's just getting ready. And this church will, we're getting released into the world to love on the lost and the hurting. And this church will move for the sake of the lost. Yes? We will stay on that side of the road. We won't go across to the, our side of the road. We'll, we'll move from our side of the road to their side of the road and bind them up with the oil of the Holy Spirit and the wine of God. And we'll encourage them, and it'll be a little bit of a journey as we walk with them. But we'll carry them to salvation. And we will be those people that will be the compassionate. I'd like the, however you want to close in worship, Sophia, with whatever group you want up here. Won't you be my neighbor, said the religious, moving away from being religious to relational, says the good Samaritan to the world, won't you be my neighbor? And it is a wonderful day in this neighborhood, isn't it? Isn't this something you'd wish on everybody? Wouldn't you just love to bring everybody into the family of God and be able to say to young people, old people, people of all different colors and backgrounds and religions. I was talking to a man that goes to a total different church. I said, you wouldn't believe all the different. Yesterday, uh, we had a contractor in our building. I said, you wouldn't believe the diversity of faith in our building. There's relationships formed way on the other people's side of the road. And this is a place of love. This is our Father's house. And it'll be a house of relational prayer, honor and love for all men and all women. Red and yellow, black and white. Catholic, Methodist, Baptist. Samaritan. Harley motorcycle rider. Where's Chris? 
<laughs> Goldwing guys. <laughs> Suzuki man. We are all one in the body of Christ and all humanity is our neighbor because their creation of Jesus and Jesus desires none to perish. And so church, you will see us moving as a church, leaving our side of the road at times. But know that you are a part of the great high calling of God to come fish for man and go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations, teaching them to follow this story that Jesus tells, teaching them to follow what Jesus believes in, that he would leave the 99. He would leave his side of the road for the one. Leave all my precepts for the one. Oh God, that we would have reckless love. Could you stand as we sing this song? told the story of three people. I'm going to talk about three different people in this crowd today. If you've ever been abandoned recently or in your life and you felt like there's nobody around, I want to tell you there's a Jesus hovering over you. He never leaves you or forsakes you. He's here as your comforter. He will bind those wounds up better than anybody in the world. You do not have to walk alone anymore. If you don't know Jesus, I beseech thee, talk to him today. Let him know that you're interested in a, a life that's grand, a life that's full of life and not death. And some of you might feel half dead inside. When we get ready to sing this song again, I would like those of you that would desire to know Jesus more. Maybe you've been on a journey and you just, he's been chasing you and you've been running from him and you go, you know, I just need to stop and be loved on. And just let him love me and give my life to him. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it's ending in death for you. But there's a way that if you give up your life, Jesus will give it back to you.
For what does it profit you if you gain this whole world, but you lose your soul? So Jesus is crying out today for those of you that would want to make a deeper commitment, a firm commitment, a recommitment to Jesus, or just say, I want to know more about him. We have a prayer corner in the back. And as we get ready to sing, I would love you to have the courage and the beauty to change the course of your life and to move. And as you move, Jesus will meet you. Let God's heart drive you to move back to that corner. And let them pray for you and give you any information you want. The next group is for all us priests and Levites. And I've been praying this this week, gang. This is where I would be this morning. You just want to be moved with compassion to greater extents, to be a greater disciple for Christ. You, 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 I don't want you beating yourself up. Many of you are some amazing people, but you, maybe God's tugged on your heart today and you say, God, I want, to, I want to move more with compassion in my life. I want to look for the lost. I want to be better at bringing people to you, Jesus. Help me with that, Lord. The Bible says God will help you give you words to say. But it's our movement that generates movement from God. Have you ever noticed that in the Bible? By your moving, you're actually telling the Lord, yeah, I mean business, I'm not just talking here. And once we start moving towards the Lord, then he meets us. And so I just wanna challenge all of you, these young people felt in the spirit, I ask them to Christ in a greater way. So when we sing again that next group, if you would like to come up and just lay your heart on the altar, ask the Lord, beseech of him, greater compassion in the days ahead, greater love, greater effectiveness to reaching the lost and hurting, better fishermen, Lord. Give me a greater love. By the way, sometimes churches, we can't reach a people group because we don't love them that much. You can't reach who you don't love. But if you have bowels of compassion and love coming out of you, people are drawn to that no matter what your age group. Yeah? So when we sing again, those group of people just come up and flood the altar and receive from the Lord. And the third group, you're saying, you know, I, I don't know if I'm feeling that emotional about it, but there's things I want to do in this church. There's ways I want to help move this church. I want to be a part of the teams and leadership or, or just be part of the volunteers that God helped move this church where you're taking it today. That we're going to be people with ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I'd like you to take the connect card and write on there your heart's desire. I want to help with children's ministry. I want to help with greeters. I want Maybe you think of a ministry we haven't even thought of. Write it down. I would really love to see and get involved with this. I would like that third group to do that on those connect cards, if you would, while we're singing this song. And then I want you to turn them in at the Welcome Center out there when you're done. Does everybody know the charge today? You feel the Spirit pulling you? Let's sing. Let's sing our hearts to, out to Jesus today. Let's give him everything we have. And he will return unto us life and that more abundantly. Amen. Amen. When I was your folk, still Hallelujah. your love fought for me. Hallelujah. Ladies, God hears your folk. You have been right so, here. so good.
Oh God, we cry out to you today that you would move us. Father, we are willing to be moved from one side of the road to the other. Fill us with compassion, Father. Not just a feeling for somebody, but give us actions, Lord God. Father, give us eyes to see those people who are standing right next to us, whether we're on the job or at the grocery store in our neighborhood, that are hurting and broken, knowing that we have a gift for them that we will be able to bind them up because of the Jesus Christ living within us. Father, open the doors of this church in a brand new way. We give ourselves to you, Lord. Holy Spirit, move us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be dismissed.